This is the Inside Track podcast by the BVRLA. Join us as we speak to high-profile guests from across rental, leasing and fleet as they discuss their careers, react to the latest news and look at what may be coming in the future. Hi everyone, welcome to the late episode of Inside Track podcast from the BVRLA. Today I'm joined by Mark Richards from Drax. Mark is an EV sales specialist working to help operators electrify their fleets and develop their workplace charging solutions. Today, we're going to look at the key considerations for fleets at the different stages of their decarbonisation journey and the three key steps to making that transition as effective as possible. Um, Mark, hi there. Thanks for joining us. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Adam. Absolute pleasure. Um, so, I guess we just start by setting the scene. So, over the last six months or so, how have you things seen things develop? You know, how are your conversations with clients changing in sort of bid space? I think um, the previous six months and and maybe even prior to that, it's a real um, topic on on companies' minds. The not just the fact that electrifying the fleet, but the whole decarbonisation of their companies, um, and obviously. You know, electrifying a fleet of, of vehicles is key to that. Um, so it is more um, at the forefront of all of their minds and their business plans going forward, um, which as a salesman in the area makes it a lot easier for me to, to open them conversations up. Um, it's positive. Um, I think there is still education for, for, for these um, companies, whether it be facilities managers or fleet managers, because, you know, it is still... We've been around a long time. If you if you're in the sector, um, but if if you've been managing a a, a fleet of um, petrol or diesel cars, um, and all of a sudden you're being told you need to move over to to electric, um, it can be you know a little bit scary because there's lots of things to take into consideration, um, and you do still have skeptics out there with uh, range anxiety and issues like that which we'll, we'll 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 talk on more in terms of the key considerations but overall i think you know everybody is in a in a much better place in terms of their minds are open to to moving moving to to electric and, and going green moving forward definitely i think we, we definitely have seen that and then it just it perhaps changes you know, the challenges that you're being faced with it's maybe you know, whereas before it was the total green picture, I think, when you're going back a few years, it was sort of the real evan- evangelicals who are moving first. Now people are more open or it's more of a, an ESG sustainability-led conversation and then it's about how the numbers and the logistics work. Is absolutely. that something you'll see? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Perfect. So within that, you know, you touched upon those key considerations. I mean, what would you say you know the top three things that is universe across any fleet regardless of their size structure layout yeah so obviously the first one we touched on it there is the range um you know when you're talking about fleets obviously there's different types of fleets you know you've got your delivery drivers sales fleets for 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 companies um you've got the trade fleets where you know your plumbers or your electricians driving around the country um going out to, to call outs so you know they need to companies need to take into consideration how how many miles their their vehicles or or their fleet need to do each day and what kind of vehicles are out there and what range um what range they can do um and it's all kind of about 
planning planning that planning um the the charging solutions to go along with that range so you know they can to, can have their own infrastructure in place um or they can use the public network out there um going back to to 2020 like the average range of, a, of an electric vehicle was, was 200 miles um going into no, start of two, um, to 2023, it was 236 uh, on average per vehicle. And now the vehicles that we're seeing come out this year, um, the average range is 300 miles. Now, if you look at um, fleet vehicles um, and the types of fleets out there, um, you would, you know, some, it's up to interpretation, but I would argue that delivery drivers and delivery fleets would, would, would arguably do the most amount of miles Um Per, per day and they on average do between 250 and 300 so even though people are you know skeptic of will will that car will that range of that car do it um i think there's evidence out there to say that the cars are on the market now and you know it, it kind of ties in with the amount of miles that they need to do per day yeah definitely i think with the direction of travel is certainly certainly the right one and it's helping to bring more use cases into that you know, it's usability and it, it works. I think we're still seeing, particularly on the van side, there are those concerns because the, you know, the, the gap between the quoted range and maybe what people are seeing is still, it's less consistent perhaps with cars because you're factoring, they say with deliveries, if you've got the bigger payload or you've got more <laughs> bigger, heavier things in on a day, then that impacts it. And I know that, that can sort of eat into the planning and the confidence in, you know, if it says 300 miles, if you get, what how close to that you actually get but like you say as long as those numbers are going up and the charging is improving it makes it accessible for more and more people with every passing year doesn't it a hundred percent i think it's main part of that is just planning and you know you you're completely right depending on the how how heavy uh the the load of that in that vehicle is adverse weather can obviously still affect the range um we get in there, um, and I think it's just kind of getting that message out there that electric, the electric vans, electric cars, um, do now have the capabilities. Um, but yeah, I guess that's why we're here, and that's why we're talking about it. Really, um, as for you know, so range would be the, the first and main consideration. Uh, second consideration is obviously going to be to to companies' cost. Um, you know they have to put the infrastructure in place um so whether that's whether that's um charging at their depots or offices or charges for for their employees at home um or relying on the public facilities now i to me that's no different to relying on filling your car off at a petrol station um you know they're more and more in terms of the public facilities you know there, there's there's the rapid and fast charges around where you can go and you can charge for 15 20 minutes yes it's not two three minutes um and then you know within the cost um of buying the hardware there is obviously the option now to, to lease the hardware um so i think that's that's probably the second consideration that we'd be looking at now yeah and as i think i touched upon the is that you know making the numbers add up becoming more and more important because it is that you know, people aren't desperate to switch necessarily but as soon as the 
the numbers sort of tip in the balance or in favor of electric then it it becomes a no-brainer quite quickly i suppose yeah definitely i mean in terms of the overall cost as well the the running of the cars are going to be a lot more cheaper right now than running of a petrol or diesel car so you need to to um factor that in as well yeah definitely and i guess a an offspin of cost and <laughs> preempting your third from when we've caught up and um, before recording is obviously infrastructure is that i guess one of the most significant changes there is a lot of depots won't necessarily need a refueling function as it is you know the, the vehicles are just out they refuel like say in two three minutes is that one of the key facts with infrastructure what else is at play within those considerations yeah so that's the main the main the main one in terms of what what the companies really need in place before they can electrify their fleet you have you know again uh, different types of fleet vehicles your, your deliveries and uh the delivery uh fleets are going to need charging at the depots um local authorities or water companies are going to need um charge infrastructure at their, at their depots i think that's a case where we just need to educate everybody because you know they might think there's there's different types of charging out there there's the ac charging which you know people call it trickle or slow if it's 7 to 22 kilowatts it's fast charging it's 50 kilowatts and above it's rapid charging and you know if they're planning um and and understanding the needs of the fleet um they may require rapid charging at their depots to, to to plug in a car for 40 minutes so it gets its full charge um or if you know if they're planning their routes and they understand that right this vehicle is going to go out and do all its delivery drops um or all its you know so, uh, visit site visits or all its call outs um on one charge then your infrastructure you'd then need at the depot would be kind of ac charging which is cheaper for them to, to to install um and the car can then charge overnight so it's kind of understanding the dwell times and then putting in the right infrastructure um at that site it you know the capacity levels in terms of the electricity supply has to come into play um and that would be a part of um kind of the the surveys and the next steps that we would do in conversation with companies um, and then also there is the, there's the consideration that we can, you know, they can offer home charging to their employees, whether that's sub subsidized through the company um, or or paid through the company. But there's there's plenty of options out there to get the correct infrastructure. If you haven't got the capacity at, at your offices or your sites, like I say, you can look to move to, to home charging um, and, and subsidize it that way. Absolutely. I, I'm assuming in the majority of cases it's kind of a bit a bit of everything isn't it you know they're not necessarily going to switch all vehicles to electric overnight the same way they're not going to need to recharge all of them in the same place at the same time in the same way it's, sort of, it's much more complicated than that i assume 99 times out of 100 100 percent. i mean you like you're not gonna exactly what you just said there you're not moving your whole fleet over in one go you, you're gonna do that in stages um you you may have um vehicles that need to charge during the day quickly you have the dc charges in you may have charges that can they're going to sit there for eight hours outside of office hours 
and then you have the the slower chargers um, in place. And it's all about doing it bit by bit. I think um, you know you 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 start the electrification process. You put in some of the infrastructure. You future proof it. Um, you move. You start to to move your fleet over. If you haven't already, you start to do it now ahead of what's coming down the line. Um, and then if you do bit by bit, a you you're more comfortable and you're believing in the in the electric vehicles that are out there. And as you know, you electrify your fleet bit by bit, the technology is going to develop. So, you know, you can then go for longer range cars, faster charging, et cetera, et cetera. So it is, it is you know, as much as a salesman, I want to go, oh, come on, we'll put in charging for 100 of your vehicles straight away. It's probably not the best um, advice to give someone um, that's looking to electrify. Yes, that's probably fair. Like, I suppose with this and... Or Jack says it's the same approach. It's it's about being that partner, isn't it? it? It's a journey that fleets, lease crows, operates, whoever. It's a long term journey that they're on. So it's how we can find the right partners at the right stage of that to support instead of just a quick fix. You know, we'll do it tomorrow and then we're line line under it, job done. A hundred percent. We are we pride ourselves on being a decarbonisation partner. So you know, EVs a massive part of that, but we want to help you further down the line so whether that's using the charges as as energy assets which not that's not just me and jack saying that but just in general you know the vehicle to grid coming in bit things like that so um it's very much i think this sector and this industry um you'll find where whoever you speak to really um and wherever you go you it's not you don't want to be getting a pushy uh, a pushy salesman or a pushy partner or company that's trying to push something onto you. It's about um, educating uh, the the customer or or um, whoever we're speaking to about what their requirements are because everyone is different, um, and then getting the correct um, correct infrastructure, correct vehicles uh, in place for them to to function. Um, as efficiently efficiently as they are already, um, but with the with the added element of um, getting closer and closer to net zero, I guess. Absolutely. So we covered there, you know, the, the key considerations, particularly around range, cost, infrastructure. I guess once you know, once we once those conversations have been had, and you know, it it's deemed that it's feasible for you know, the move or there's the appetite to make the move we'll start making that transition. We stick with the, the magic rule of three. What would you then say the, the next, you know, the three key steps you need to take to, you know, go from that intention and that desire to move to physically getting, you know, the vehicles on fleet and the charging solutions in place to run them? Yeah, so the first step that we would go with would be a suitability, an EV suitability assessment. So that would be looking at, their current, their current, or the organisation's current fleet, um, its requirements operationally. So again, you know, we kind of have have touched on that. But how, what, on average, how how far do they, how many miles do they do? Uh, do they drive a day? Um, the the requirements of the business is it twenty four seven or is it nine to five? Um, we can we can kind of. In terms of the vehicle operation requirements, we can um, use telematics or manual tracking, but 
if we can, the best way to do this is, is to use telematics, um, gather that information, um, and then we can, again, I use the word a lot because I think it's it's vitally important, we can then educate that organisation in terms of what they're looking for because some people will come and say, we want this, this, and this, and it's just, you know, we're, it, it, in certain terms, we're actually saying, you don't need that, that's going to be way too expensive, go along with this because that's what your telematics and that's what your requirements are telling us. Um, as well as obviously the miles, the, the 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 geographical spread of 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 the drivers per day, um, you know, are they going into rural areas where there's the the the, lack, the ch public charging infrastructure might not be there, um, or are they you know more urban where okay, vehicle doesn't need to be fully charged when it goes out. There's 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 chance and 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 um, opportunity for them to, to, to use the public charging network. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with, with EV dwell time. So where, where are, where, where is the vehicle not being used? Is that overnight? Is that an hour on lunch break? Um, when they come back to reload their, um, the, the their vans or, or their trucks or their cars? Um, is it when they're, you know, going for a call out and they're, um, going for a call out and, and doing the labor is there a chance for them to charge there so you know that's that would be the next step the EV suitability assessment yeah and you you mentioned that obviously it's a, a common thread is that education piece or bringing you know bringing partners on the journey with you if you've so I don't know I assume it again is how long's a piece of string but do you find that level of education is is improving do you find there are still a lot of you know potential customers operates out there that they're still at a pretty low low end of what they actually understand for the tech and the tech you know the vehicles that are coming through um i think overall as a consensus it is improving their knowledge and understanding i say that because i feel like in my you know i've been in the i've been in the ev sector now for four years and less it's becoming increasingly. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess the, this up words wise. The the decrease in the amount of times I get asked, how long does it take to charge a vehicle? That that's the that's the common question when someone just hasn't got it yet or, or is new to 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 the EV well because you you just said it. You just used the expression there. How long's a piece of string? You know it depends on the vehicle it depends on the charger you're using it depends on you know uh the weather it depends on the on the on the battery of the vehicle and i'm i don't have them conversations as much um and more and more we're getting asked the the right questions and uh, and and organizations and, and customers are coming to us and saying what do we need instead of being like instead of being I want two hundred kilowatt DCs. I want two of these. You know, you, you, that's not what you may require, and we need to to carry out the assessment for you to understand what you actually need. Um, I definitely think you know the knowledge is improving, whether that's through podcasts, whether that's through people you know doing their own research, or if you go to the right TV stations, um, the the the, uh, the the programs and documentaries that are being put out there. Yeah, there's definitely a, a mixed bag in the media, depending yeah. on where you're seeking that or where, yeah, who, 
who's pushing that message. But I think you're right. That that overall baseline at least is is coming up and up every time. And the more vehicles people are seeing on adverts on the road, friends, family, colleagues have got it. It's all just slowly raising that baseline. And like you say, it means people have got a greater understanding at least what conversations to be having instead of just sort of falling on the previous myths or misconceptions that are still around but yeah you know, reducing in, in certain pockets particularly in the b2b context where it's a less emotional decision more often than not a hundred percent completely agree with that perfect so we've got step step one is that suitability assessment um yeah. you know once you've come back you've checked the telematics you've completed that and worked out that you know how it could done could be done sorry um what's then stage two of sort of this three-step process yes yeah, so stage two would be uh, a site survey so once we know where you where you want the charges to to go whether that's depots offices or or at home um we would then need to do a site survey to to assess the electrical capabilities at the site does it have the capacity for the amount of charges um you need um is there is there a difference in capacity um when you'll need the charges so you know if you're charging overnight your office may be shut down you know all that all that electrical capacity that you're using during the day can then go into the charges at night um so once we know um exactly what your requirements are site survey electrical um capacities if um that kind of leads us on to, to to down the avenue that there isn't the capacity then we would um, need to bring in dnos or uh, ipcs so D- dno being the district net- network operator uh and they can help um upgrade basically the the capacity at site um and then it would be you know the the where would the hardware sit so what's the practical location for for the chargers um on your on the land is it um in the car park or do we want it around the back of the warehouse where where your vehicles are being um loaded so that would be the next stage a a full site survey um yeah that that that's where we would be next yeah absolutely you you mentioned there about you know, where there may or may not be power and if you then need DNOs or other parties to, to come in. I know that you hear there's that can often be quite a, a lengthy process. Obviously, there's a lot of different parties and a lot of moving parts. Are there, are there any particular ways, at least from your side and your experience, that can sort of support that process or sort of make it as, as short and as painless as possible? Or is it just currently one of those things where you know, red tape and other factors are, are at play? Um, when it comes to the DNO, they are a rule to themselves. So there's not really, in terms of, there's not, in terms of speeding them up, there's not really anything that can be done. Um, you can look at ICPs, which are independent, but they still need to go through the DNO to, to get the, 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 the power upgrades. Um, what I would say is if you, um, you know, if you're an organization or, or a company out there, if you if you do the right research and and into what kind of partner um, you want to use, i.e. a Drax, I don't want to be too salesy, but i.e. a Drax or, or someone else out there, our job 
is to offer you that full kind of turnkey solution. So as an organization and as a as a customer, you only would deal with, say, a Drax. And we will take you through that journey. We will deal with um, DNOs. We will deal with the ICPs. We will manage that whole, um, the whole electrification of your site. Um, you're only really dealing with one person. That's the whole idea of, 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 a, of a partner in this in this sector and in this industry. It can you are relying, like I say, on 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 them providers to to do the power upgrades, and that can sometimes take the longest amount of time. Um, but we will try and make that journey as seamless as possible for you, and obviously take into account kind of the. Um, any restrictions that you have on site and you know to to make sure you're still fully functioning as much as possible yeah no that's completely fair and i think it, it is one of those areas of the process that you know my colleagues in the policy and public affairs side of things that we're working to see what solutions could be sought you know maybe it's consistent standards across dnos or you know set time frames and i know there was there was something announced in the chancellor's recent autumn statement I think it's the connection, connections action plan, which is sort of seeking to make progress in those areas, just to, you know, to to make sure every party knows what's expected of them, what parameters they're working within, and there's a bit more of a, a consistent approach to through sort of those conversations. Yeah, I think just on that, as well, you can look at it two different ways. The the reason there is a a kind of a a lengthy dwell time or delay on on getting these connections in is because you know, we're the the country as a whole is trying to electrify publicly and privately. So yes, it's it's not, you know, ideal. But if you know, if that if them if if we could get uh, an instant upgrade and instant connection put in, then are we getting the infrastructure in, you know, in time across the across as a as a whole? Um so you know, there's 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 upsides and downsides to that. Absolutely, I think that's that's completely fair. And then, I guess if we move on to to step step three of that process, I think you've alluded to it quite a bit already. But it's yeah, I presume it's that that actual next step of getting things in the ground, getting things installed. Yeah, um, it's the installation side, so it's um, getting the hardware in the ground. Um, like I said, there we we want to schedule and, and kind of prepare um, the organisations for the for the installation. So to minimize the disruption on the business and on the site um coordinate you know the the deliveries of the hardware and coordinate like i said as a as a partner that's what we would or any anybody out there would look to do um you know is is manage that process for you um make sure we're being efficient having the right people on sites at the right times um and then you know testing the the hardware commissioning it off um, and then it doesn't really stop there. That's where we would need to, or we would look to educate the the drivers, right? So you know, we've we've educated the organisation or the decision makers to to go and electrify the fleet. But now, you know, you're you're handing a, a, an electric vehicle over to someone that's driven a petrol or a diesel car, and as someone that's made the switch to electric um, years ago, it's can be confusing especially if you go, need to go and use a public charger for the first time and you've never used it you know there's there's apps out there there's rfid cars out there um so you know that's a big part of it um 
educate the driver on, on what they need to do, not only on their site, but for public use. Um, and then educating the, the fleet managers into right, what, how can they get the most out of this product, um, you know, using back office um, and software solutions to kind of make the company more, um, make the fleet and company more more efficient. So we always loop round to to, to to education really as a whole. But yeah, that they're kind of the the main the the main parts of the installation. Yeah, that's at least you know to when you boil it down to the three key steps obviously it sounds like a, you know it's a very very considered very straightforward process obviously each phase is incredibly involved very complex and changes from case to case but i think just having that clear outline it helps it helps an operator doesn't it because if they think right i've got x amount of petrol diesel vehicles now that total switch is quite daunting and so like, well, what's what's the first step where do i start yeah. so i think it like you say bo- boiling it down to those key considerations you know range cost infrastructure the three key steps you know suitability assessment site survey installation planning it just sort of it maps that out and i guess it shapes those conversations to help people take it step by step instead of that you know so where do i start exactly 100 percent, and it's fluid and you know, it. You, we can go through that process as many times as needed. So, you know, if you want to dip your toe in and and electrify a small amount of your fleet, go ahead and do that. We'll go through the three steps. You know, you it, it would make it it make electrifying the rest of your fleet a bit more straightforward when you come round to it because not only do you have that EV suitability assessment that we did at the first step of the first stage, but we now have um, the assessment of the electrical vehicles that you've you've already kind of moved over to um and it can give you uh, a much um more in-depth knowledge as to where you need the infrastructure um you know an example one one someone that we've worked with in the past um a water company they um can see you know using the 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 electric the software out there they can see where what which depots are charging more than you know other depots so they now know right we need more infrastructure up there than we do down here kind of thing so yeah it's it does seem daunting for 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 new uh, organizations that are looking to move over but that's what you know we're here for that's what experts in the in the sector are here for that's what the decarbonization partners are here for and you know you can you, we can go through them three steps as many times as we need to and then if we just close with something a bit more a bit more blue sky perhaps if you could sort of just boil it down to you know one one key challenge or one key reason for optimism i guess going into next year what would that sort of key takeaway be what are you expecting what do you think is gonna gonna change most next year hopefully to the better um i think for me i think we we we're definitely going to just carry on on the upward curve. Um, I think we're, you know, it's more people are coming around to the idea. And this is just in general. This isn't necessarily businesses. This is the the general public out there are coming around to the fact that there's EV vehicles can do just as much as, as your petrol and your diesel vehicles now in terms of the, of the range. 
Um, I think the the cost of the vehicles is going to come down. Um, you know, the and kind of come down to match um, the petrol. There are vehicles out there that are very um, cost effective in terms of purchasing, um, but you know the media may push you to them them higher, more expensive vehicles, and you think, oh gosh, no, that's 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 way out of, of people's price ranges. So I think people are being more educated, and I think that's going to open us up. I think range anxiety is a thing of the past. I think the, the technology that's coming out now, um, you know, if your car says it's got three hundred miles, it's got three hundred miles. Um, so I think that's kind of, I think we're just going to grow really. I think that there is going to be a challenge out there now where more, more going back to businesses and organizations here in terms of the, the delay in the ban, um, where companies and organizations are still struggling part post COVID. It may be something now that they, you know, even though they want to, to, to start to, to look after, um, their, their carbon output um it may be something that they push back into 2025 instead of something they were looking at in 2024 um but i think on a whole um the ev world is is gonna do what it's done for many years now and continue to grow yeah no i, I think you're absolutely right i would completely agree with that um there certainly are still those those challenges there those use cases that you know are a, a harder harder switch but like I say, every year there are more and more improvements, which are just bringing more and more of those different use cases into that feasibility sphere. Um, and there are fewer, fewer and fewer that are going to be left thinking it's not not doable. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good position to be in. And thanks so much for your, your time today, Mark. I'll leave you leave it there so you can get back to doing what you do best and, <laughs> and talking with clients. Um, and yeah, thank you. We'll we'll speak again soon and see how things are progressing. No, that's great. Thanks for having me on, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you click the subscribe button. Please leave a rating or review and feel free to share this on your social platforms.